Well, good morning. Welcome back. Everybody have a good Easter. Good Easter. And we had a great Easter, by the way, here at Core Church. Uh, thank you for inviting your friends and your family. Uh, we had so many first-time guests with us, people coming to church for the very first time. What I'm really excited about that I want to tell you about, you know, we, we, we prayed for, I don't know, a month leading up to Easter, prayed for the friends and our neighbors, our neighbors around us. A bunch of you handed out a bunch of door hangers and stuff like that. We had four people last week make a first-time commitment to follow Jesus. Can we give God a hand clap for that? Man, that's, uh, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we, we do what we do each and every week. In fact, we had one person, I won't embarrass them because I know they're here today, but we had one person who made a commitment to follow Jesus, and they came off of one of our door hangers. So it, it, there's a power in an invite. I just want you to know that. There's power in that invite. It's not the card that saves someone, but the card is a tool that God uses, that the Holy Spirit uses. So you have those relationship killer invites sitting on your car, on your chair right there. Uh, instead of scooting it over to the chair next to you, uh, what we'd really like for you to do is, and, 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 come on, I know you did. So uh, just grab one, and instead of that, stick it in your purse, stick it in your wallet, take it with you, and begin to pray, God, who is it that you want me to give this card to? Who do you want me to invite? I promise you he's going to put you in front of somebody uh, that needs that. So, so thankful what God has done through that um, incredible Easter service that we had. I want to mention one thing, too, before I start. Our youth right now, how many of you have heard about the youth series that uh, is going on right now? Um, okay, our youth right now are talking about sex. So turn to the person next to you and go, can you believe our youth are talking about sex? Now, if you think youth in our culture are not talking about sex, I want to know what rock you've been living under. Okay? Uh, and I love this. It's, this is how I feel about it. Man, if, if the world is talking about it, we ought to talk about it. Okay? And, and here's the message. We're not just saying, we're not saying this just to our teenagers. Don't! Okay? That's what, that every parent brings their kid to the youth sex series. Just tell them don't do it. Just tell them don't. Just tell them don't. Okay? And we treat sex like it's a four-letter word. Like it's a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. It was created and instituted by God. Uh, I think here in a few weeks I'm going to be talking about uh, Fifty Shades of Gray Area. That's a message I'm working on right now. Fifty Shades of Gray Area. Uh, we'll see how that pans out, works out, but we're going to maybe talk about that. But here's what I want to ask you to do. If you don't have a teenager, you need to be praying for our teenagers. It is not a fair fight. It is not a fair fight. Porn, pornography is in the palm of their hand. Okay, access, instant access to one another and things that they can do and say and watch and be were things that I never had to deal with. I mean, honestly, I praise God that I was born decades ago. I didn't have to deal with all that junk. And I, I'm so thankful for Eric and our youth leaders, our small group leaders. I'm taking a little extra time on this because I think it's so important. Our youth sponsors, what happens is they're coming. If you don't know how our youth ministry works, they show up. And they have a large group gathering, and then they break into small groups, age-appropriate small groups. I have two children in it. Um, I have uh, my daughter and son that are in our youth ministry. And I'm so thankful for the open and honest discussion that they are having in these groups. Okay, if I said some of the terms and some of the things that they're talking about, you would just it'd blow your hair back. You'd be like, I can't believe you just said that in church. <laughs> but again... 
If the world is talking about it, we've got to talk about it. By the way, how many parents in the house? Raise your hand. Okay, here's the deal. If you have not started talking to your kids about sex yet, you are way behind. You've got to start when they're like four or five years old. Age appropriate. Age appropriate. But by the time they get to double digits, if you've not talked to them by then, you are way too late. You are late to the party. They're going to be educating you instead of you educating them. And it's so important. I got four kids. I got, they're older. I got uh, teenagers. And I talked to them from the time they were little, age appropriate, all the way up. Had all the talks. Continue to have talks with them today. I don't care how embarrassing it is. I don't care how much they go, oh, my God, Daddy, you have to say that. And I'm like, yeah, but I've had enough discussions with my kids that they don't, they're not embarrassed by it anymore. It's just normal conversation that, that we might have together. And I'm, I want you to do that as parents. Don't do this. Don't dump your kids off on the church and say, you tell them. Because <laughs> I can't. I can't use those words. It would be holy if you do it. I just don't know. <laughs> don't do that. You as a parent owe it to your kid to be talking to them. So if you're, how many of you got teenagers? You're in, you have teenagers in our youth ministry. Get them there on Wednesday night. And then when they get home, talk to them. Talk to them. Because everybody else is talking to them. And they need to know the proper perspective. And if you're not talking to them, all your kids think is this. My parents just don't want me to have sex. That's it. That's the talk that's coming. They don't want me to have sex. You know what I tell my kids? I want you to have sex. I want you to have lots of sex. I want you to enjoy sex. Sex is amazing. And then I tell them the proper perspective of how God ordained that and how it's most enjoyable and how it's in its proper perspective. I'm preaching a whole other message. i got to stop right there, okay? Oh, just get me off. This subject just gets me wound up because I so get so frustrated at Christians, the Christian moms and dads who don't talk to their kids about this one subject. Like, we're afraid of it. We can't be afraid of it. We've got to talk about it, okay? So, so do that for me. Get your kids there. Um, it's an incredible series. And if you don't have teenagers, please, please, Put a reminder in your calendar. Get your phone out right now if you want. Mark it, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Please be praying for our small group leaders and those that are working with our students. They're getting some tough questions. They're getting, I mean, we have kids from a broad span who have never, ever heard terms, don't even understand what it is, to kids who have experienced everything. I mean, everything. And they need to know, where, where is God in all of this? And what do I do if I've already... They just need to know all that. And, and our group leaders are trying to help navigate that with these students. I'm so honored to have my kids sitting in a small group with somebody that loves them, cares about them, and can give them a proper perspective. And also laugh and giggle and do stupid jokes as well. So let's go to God's Word. Let's talk. We're, gonna, we're talking about relationships. So that's one relationship with your kids that you need to work on. But we're in a... We're gonna, kick off a series now called Relationship Killers. And we're going to be in the book of James. So if you have a Bible, James is almost all the way to the back of your Bible. And let me tell you who James was. James was the half-brother of Jesus, okay? So he grew up with Jesus. How would you like that one? You thought your sibling was tough and excelled at things. Can you imagine that? Like, he's, I mean, that's just crazy. Jesus is your brother. 
Well, he didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe he was the Messiah. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, he's like, oh, wow, I guess you were right. You weren't lying. I thought you were messing me with me when we were 12. But no, he's discovered he was the Messiah. James goes on to become a follower of Jesus, uh, believes in him, and then becomes a leader in the church. And this is a book that he wrote. And we're going to be in James chapter 1 for this first relationship killer. James chapter 1. And let's look at verse 19. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, they're free. They're at the Next Steps room. Just uh, go and grab one. Uh, or if you have a mobile device and you don't have a Bible on your mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible app there. And I, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Let's look at verse 19, chapter 1. James says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Hey, James, tell us what you really think. (laughs) This guy's intense, by the way. If you've never read through James, he is not the Joel Osteen of his day, okay? He's not like, discover the champion in you. No, he ain't that guy. He ain't ain't the pick-me-up guy. That's not James. James is going to hit you right between the eyes and tell you, Uh, what you need to hear. So he says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this word that you have for us today. And we just ask in the moments that we have uh, that you would speak to us, that we could hear from you today. We know you have an important word for us to hear. I want to ask you to be praying for the people around you. You might know them, might not know them. Uh, Just pray that they would be open to what God has to say. You may not know how to pray. And this is all you have to say is, God, God, help that person next to me. We just don't know what each other are going through. We don't know the struggles that we're going through. So many parents in this room, and we're all trying to navigate these relationships. And we need, we need God's help. And pray for me um, as your pastor that I would be faithful uh, to the text and faithful to what the Holy Spirit wants all of us to hear. Uh, and if you're ready to hear from God's Word... Give me a big amen. Amen. Well, I I get frustrated when stuff breaks around the house. I mean, it just absolutely frustrates. Okay, wait, can we turn this light on right here? I feel like I'm in the dark. Can we turn this front light on? That would be great. I'd love that because I can't see there. Now I can see your faces. I get I get frustrated when when stuff around the house breaks. Anybody with me? Like, um, and here's the thing: this, this stuff breaks like every five years. It, if you're a homeowner and you've been a homeowner for any amount of time, or maybe you're going to be a homeowner, you need to know this stuff breaks about every five years. But here's the deal: it doesn't like your doesn't break. One thing breaks, and then five years later something else breaks, and then five years later something else breaks. It's every five years everything breaks. That's what we're, we're in the five-year window right now at our house. So frustrating. Our dishwasher went out, then our fence blew down, and then a couple of weeks ago, our, our dish, our, our, our washing machine sounded like some kind of thing out of poltergeist. It was insane. The scream that was coming out of our washing machine, it sounded like, like a group of teenage girls at a One Direction concert, okay? It was, and it was doing the shake thing too. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Harry! Harry! I mean, it's just, I don't even, 
know how to explain. It was so loud, we can't watch TV while the washing machine is going. That is not an exaggeration. And it is rolling all over the laundry room. Doesn't matter what. I put a two-by-four behind. the. It's just nothing. is, And everything at the same time, it's so frustrating. And here's the thing. We all know that how important it is to fix things when they break, right? Because if you don't, if you don't fix those appliances, then you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be miserable because it just throws off just everything just gets whacked out in your house. Nothing's working right. It just, it's very frustrating. So you know, I got to fix that. Okay. Relationships work the same way. When, when relationships break down, we're miserable and we are frustrated. Yet, yet relationships are usually the last thing that we spend any time working on. And the, the time that we go and begin to work on our relationships is when they've broken down. And usually when they break down, it's too late. I mean, think about just how miserable and frustrating it is when re- your relationships are not working right. You can have the best job ever. I mean, you can have a great job, and if you love your job, but you're backwards and upside down and having this disagreement with your spouse, you're miserable. I mean, you, you, you can have a lot of money. I mean, you can get a raise, and you can get money, and you've got more money than you know what to spend, but, but if your relationship with your kids or your parents is fractured, you're miserable. You can have a sweet car, but if you ain't got no friends to ride in that car with you, you're miserable. So James, James talks about relationships. So we're going we're gonna to take the next five weeks, and we're going to talk about relationships, specifically five relationship killers. And we're going to take some time to work on our relationships, doing some maintenance or a checkup on our relationships so we can keep them from breaking down. Or for those of us who've had relationships break down on how we can repair those relationships. And I want to encourage you to be here for all five weeks. It's a five-week series, and it's important. And I know you got your little relationship card, and you pulled it, and you looked at it, and you go, well, I got like maybe one of the five, maybe Maybe I'll be here for week three. I don't know. Uh, and, or maybe you look at that card and you go, I don't have any of these. I don't have any of these at all. Well, congratulations and thank you for being here, Mr. and Mrs. Self-Righteous. We're so glad you decided to worship with us today. Uh, but all of us have at least one of the five. And here's the danger that's going to happen in this series is you're looking at those five and you're thinking about the people in your life that have those things, that have those problems. This is not what this series is about. This is about us working on ourselves, Okay. It's about working on ourselves. Now, let me preface it by saying this, because you may say, well, I, I don't have that one. I don't have, I don't have that one. And I would say this, that I think it's important that maybe you have somebody in your life that you know deals with one of those issues. It's important that you come so you know how to be in relationship with that person. It's important that you be here for all five weeks. So here's relationship killer number one. Relationship killer number one is anger. Anger. We're going to talk about anger today. And James gives us an equation and a solution for 
anger, and it's found in James chapter 1 and verse 19. And he says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be, and let's say this together, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So here's the equation. We're going to put it on the screen. I want you to write this down. This is important, and we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. Okay, here's the equation for anger. Quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to get angry. Quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to get angry. Unfortunately, most of us, if we're honest, we're the opposite of that. We're slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to get angry. Guilty. That's me. I, I'm, just, I'm slow, slow to listen, I'm quick to speak, and I'm really quick to get angry. How many of you have ever, let's just be honest, and how many of you have been angry before? You've gotten angry before. Okay. The rest of you don't have kids. That's what's going on. <laughs> you just never had children. Hey, it's coming. It's coming. Trust me. There, there's things that frustrate us in life. I mean, there's just things that, there's things that frustrate me, and there's, I'm sure there's things that frustrate you, um, long lines. That's one of mine. I just don't, I don't like being, I don't like waiting. I don't want to be in a long line. So like I went to the store last night and, and they have like 35 registers and two of them are open. I don't understand that. Um, uh, okay, so and uh, that's another thing that frustrates me. I'm like, really, really? There's like nine of us in this one line. You can't really. You can't have. Oh, okay. You're a CSM. I don't even know what that is. Can you not work a register? Um, so you see, you see, I, this is me. This is this today. I'm preaching to myself. So I'm in this line, and you ever been? I mean, you're in the line, and you're so you're frustrated because it's a long line. And then the the thing that gets me, and this happened to me last night, is the cashier came out from behind the register and left the register. Oh! Why? But the good news was she came around the side to the cart because she had the little gun and she was trying to find the barcode. Couldn't find the barcode. Let me help you find the barcode. And they come around and then people stop paying with cash. It takes way too long. Swipe, pin number, gone. (laughs) Counting back the cash. I'm like, really? Maybe Maybe that's not yours. Okay, maybe that's... It's like therapy for me. This is maybe this is just just mine. Long lines. Uh, voice prompts. Voice prompts. Customer service. Customer service. Okay, I hear you want to cut off your service. No. Customer <laughs> buffering. Buffering. Oh man, there's just things that frustrate us, right? And, and honestly, most of the things like that that frustrate us, they're, they're pretty harmless. They're not really going to cause a whole lot of damage. But here, here's the problem is, is when frustration ramps over into anger and it gets directed at people, it can be incredibly damaging. I, I see the, the, the wreckage of this all the time as a pastor and sitting in my office and I see the wreckage of that and I see spouses that have turned against each other, families that have been torn apart. I've seen parents against kids and kids against parents. And I've seen uh, incredible damage done in, in friendships 
because of words that were spoken and angry moments that caused incredible damage. And so what James is saying to us today is this. You've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Here's, here's the thing about anger, and this is why I think we struggle with it, is because the damage that anger does in a relationship doesn't show up right away. The, the damage that anger does in a relationship doesn't, doesn't show up right away. Uh, we have storms in Oklahoma, and we constantly, we're in, we're in that season right now, and we had a torna- crazy tornado. We had a, just that wicked weather just a couple of weeks ago that was just so crazy with that tornado through sand springs and the high winds that we had and and in in oklahoma i mean you know i've talked about this before in oklahoma i don't know why we do this but before the storm we all go out and we what we watch the storm Uh, my neighbor across the street during the storm was playing frisbee with his grandson in the front yard only in oklahoma do we do that but the, but the sirens go off, everybody goes in, and, and, and then at, when the storm is over, we, we will come out and we check for damage, right? Isn't that what you do? I mean, that's what I do, especially if it's high winds or something like that. And I look, I say, is there a tree that's fallen on a car? Is my trampoline in my neighbor's yard? Um, you know, what, is there, are there shingles off? Is, is there any kind of damage? We start inspecting and looking for the damage. And this last storm, I went out. And I was in the backyard, and I saw a one-by-four laying on the ground. And so I looked up, and there was a hole in my chimney. And I was like, what happened? And I began to kind of glance at it, and it looked like it had some kind of rot that was going on. And so I, I called a, a friend of mine, well, I called Stan, Stan Soboleski, who plays keyboards, his contractor. And I said, hey, Stan, will you come over? And he came over, and he looked at it. And he began to explain to me, because uh, I'm an idiot, I don't understand these things. And he says, listen, here's Brad, this is what's happening is the, the rain, every time a storm has come through, the rain is running off of your roof, and, uh, and it's running behind the, uh, the, the wood, and it's been causing damage that you couldn't see. You couldn't see the damage, but it's been rotting away for some time, and then finally it came through to the front, and then it fell, and now you finally see all the damage. That's, that's exactly a great picture of anger, okay? That's how anger is. Anger works like this. We, we blow in, we blow up, and then we blow out. Blow in, blow up, blow out. And then we come back and we inspect the damage. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? Here's some flowers. Here's some candy. Go to the movie? Go to dinner? We'll go to dinner. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? And we think everything's okay because I don't see any damage. Everything's okay. But what we don't understand, and I hope you can hear this because this is so true, is that every time we blow in and we blow up, It is causing damage on the inside of the people we love the most and the people around us. It's not showing visibly right away, but that damage every time you blow up, every time that you get angry and they have that smile and they take it and know it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay because on the inside their soul is deteriorating away and by the time the damage becomes visible, it's too late. It's too late. And that's why James says, again, to us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So why is this so difficult to do? Because 
I don't know how you are, but I just like, sometimes I'm just like, man, they are just, they're just getting on my last nerve. I'm just going to let them have it. I, that's how, I mean, why is this? This is a beautiful piece of scripture. Belongs on a plaque in my office. But man, that is difficult to do. I mean, when you're in the heat of the battle, you're, <laughs> and you just, poof, you just can't. Hold back. Why is it so? Di- I'm going to tell you why it's so difficult to do. Verse 20. James tells us this is why it's so difficult. It says this: Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Human anger. Anger isn't the problem. Human anger is the problem. Anger is not bad. Anger is not wrong. We got it all messed up. We think we're never supposed to get angry, but that's not what James says. He says be slow to get angry. Human anger is the problem. And this word righteousness in this passage, it means justice. So if you're taking notes, I want you to think of it like this, okay? Human anger wants to be right. That's human anger. Human anger wants to be right. But righteous anger wants what is right. Human anger wants to be right. Righteous anger wants what is right. Listen, there are times that we have to stand up for an injustice that is being done. An injustice maybe that is being done in your home, in the workplace, in our community, in our world. There is a right place and a right time and a right way to display anger when there is an injustice. How do we back that up? Jesus got angry. If you've been in church for any amount of time, sometimes you just get, man, Jesus, he tossed those temple tables. He came into the temple and he made a whip and started hitting people with it. Are you kidding me? Why did he do that? Was he was just ticked off? Yeah, he was ticked off because there was an injustice being done. The people that were selling in the temple, they'd set up all these tables and they're selling all the, the lambs and, the, and all the sacrificial um, pigeons and doves and things like that. And they were jacking up the prices and they were price gouging all of the poor people, taking advantage of them, giving them blemish sacrifices and making a profit off of it in the house of God. And Jesus came in and said, enough, there is a time for us to rise up against injustice. But unfortunately, more often than not, when we're angry, we're just really seeking our our own justice and not God's. I'm just for my own justice. So human anger human anger is is wrapped up in in emotion. It it really gets wrapped up in the emotional response and in the emotional moment. In other words, I'm right And I'm going to let you know I'm right. And I'm going to keep ramping up the volume until you figure out and you back down and you acknowledge that I'm right. And so it's this battle of emotions and battle of volumes. Maybe not in your house because some of you are like, oh, Brad, I just never raised my voice. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Never been in our house before because we are a loud, loud family. For those of you that never raise your voice, let me just mention this. Let me just sidestep here a little bit. You're like, I don't deal with anger. I've never yelled at anyone. I wonder what's really going on on the inside and what's cooking on the inside of you 
that's not being expressed on the outside. And you know what that's doing? It's destroying your soul because it's staying in you bottled up over and over again until that moment when it will come out. But human anger is its emotional response. I'm right. I'm going to let you know it. Of course, none of us have ever done that, right? Nobody here? Guilty? None of us? No? Okay, maybe me. Guilty. Um, and it's usually over, sometimes, I mean, there are some very real things that we get angry about, but I'm be honest with you, sometimes it's just stupid stuff we argue about that erupt into anger. A couple weeks ago, uh, Laura and Skye were going to see the, um, the premiere of Cinderella. And Skye says to me, she says, oh, I'm, Dad, I, I want to go, but I'm also torn because some of my friends are going to go see Frozen 2. And, and Skye's, uh, she's 16, she's one of my teenagers, I go, Frozen 2? Frozen 2's not out. Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it, 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 it's out this weekend. Frozen 2 is coming out this weekend. And I'm like, no, it's not coming out. She's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. And she's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And it starts erupting. We're driving right next to the Warren Theater. I won't forget this. I mean, we are getting after it, volume Louder than the radio, thank God the windows were up and we weren't passing anybody from the church because we were in full-blown, I'm right, you're wrong mode. I'm like, it's not coming out. She's like, oh, it is. I've talked to all my friends. It's coming out. Oh, oh, yeah, and your friends are right. Your friends know everything. No parents ever said that, have they? And so I did what every good parent does in that moment. Of course, I looked at the scriptures and the message I was working on and I... No, I pulled out my phone and I Googled it. I'm going to be straight up honest here. While we were driving, that's how angry I was. I'm like, it's a two-lane road. There's nobody around. Google this Frozen 2. There! It's not. I said, it's a, it's, 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 it's a little mini-movie. It's, it's, it's the time. Yes, it's a movie, right? Frozen 2. Bam, I win. Gets all the way to the house. Laura is in the... Were you in the car? With us? Laura was in the car when this was going on. <laughs> and she's like, you're on your own on this one, honey. Good luck. Fist bump. Um, arguing into the driveway, into the house, till we sit down in the living room. And we are getting after it. And I remember sitting down and thinking, we're arguing over Frozen 2. What is wrong with me? You're right, Brad. But why are you arguing? And I I just, honestly, I I just turned to my daughter and I said, this is stupid. Let's stop. Let's stop because this is going nowhere and it's just getting uglier and uglier. I don't like, I don't like the way I'm acting right now. I don't like the way I'm acting. I don't like what this is doing between us. Because, man, I'm, me and my daughter, we're tight. We're really close. But in that moment, man, we were not. And it was fracturing our relationship over a stupid movie. And I was like, time, time out. Let's just, let's just stop. If you've taken notes, this is so important for us to remember this, this thought right here. Don't sacrifice the relationship for the sake of being right. Don't sacrifice the relationship for the sake 
of being right. That's, that's the whole problem, I think, many times. Is, and the reason we, we struggle is it, it, it's not about surrendering to the other person, okay? It's not about surrendering to the other person. Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. No, no, no. It's about it's about protecting the relationship and leaving the rest of it to God. In in those moments where you're having that disagreement, it, it's about protecting. In that moment, you got to go into protection mode of the relationship. You got to value the relationship higher than you do being right. The relationship trumps being right in this moment and allow God to work it out. Jesus on the cross. He has had an incredible wrong. We just talked about this last week for Easter. Brutally betrayed by somebody he loves. Beaten. Convicted of a crime he didn't commit. He's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. Father, Jesus was right, though. He was right. He should have said, you're all wrong. But he didn't do that in that moment. No, in in that moment, he surrendered the outcome to God the Father. And God made that wrong right. Quick to listen plus slow to speak equals slow to get angry. So so how can we practice? I want to give you something practical. I think it's going to help you. How can we, how can we learn? How can we learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and, and slow to get angry? Go to verse twenty-one. Verse twenty-one, James says this: Get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word that God has what? Let's say this: again, He has what? Planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Let me ask you this: What are you planting in your heart? What are you planting in your heart? Because whatever you plant in your heart is going to grow. Luke 6.45, Jesus said this, Luke 6.45. You don't have to just write it down. You don't have to get to it and put it on the screen here. Jesus said this, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What you speak is coming directly out of what is in your heart. i got some guys that were going to help me. Can you guys help me and bring the... Uh, bring the stool and that over real quick. I want to illustrate this for you, so hopefully you can get a picture uh, of what this looks like. Whatever you're putting into your heart is what you're going to get back. If you put frustration into your heart, you're going to get frustration back. If you put unforgiveness into your heart, you're going to get unforgiveness back. Illustrate it this way, okay? Someone comes to you, oh, and they, this, is, this, this would be your heart. This is, this is your heart. And this person comes to you, and, and they plant a little bit of bitterness in you. And it starts to deteriorate a little bit at your soul. Somebody comes, and, and they plant, you plant unforgiveness in you. Impatience. In you. Jealousy gets planted in you. And this word that James uses for anger 
means a, a welling up, a, a rising up. In, in, in other words, it can't stay dormant. It won't stay dormant in you. Anger is going to rise up. And what happens is the more that, that bitterness is in you, the more that you accept unforgiveness, the more that frustration, it just begins to pour out into anger. I call it spillage. It spills out into anger and it hurts the people around us that we love the most. But what James says is, Plant God's Word in you. Plant His Word in you. That's how you overcome this. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, 11. He said it this way, and you may have heard this if you've been in church for any amount of time. Psalm 119, 11. I have hidden what? Your, your what? I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is, what is he saying? It's about planting God's Word in in your heart over and over again and then eventually well it's not doing what I need it to do but I think you get the picture eventually it's purified that didn't do what I wanted to do let me illustrate this way let me say it this way does this, this actually work well this is why you always practice preach it but let me let me illustrate it this way so what happens is we come to church and we, we pour out the word get every last drop out and the bitterness and the anger and all that begins to go out but then we go out with an empty bucket and we don't fill up again and we're like, that didn't work. That didn't work at all. Look, I tried that. I tried putting the Word in me. I put the Word in me, preacher. And look, nothing. It's because your bucket is empty. It's because you've got to continually fill up on the Word of God. And you fill up on the Word of God and you pour the Word of God into you and eventually He purifies you over and over again. But the, what's going to happen though again is somebody's going to come to you again and they're going to want to pour bitterness and then you're going to get jealousy and frustration and it's going to pour out into anger. And you ain't got nothing in your bucket. And so your heart remains steadfast in unforgiveness, bitterness, discontentment. You wonder why you're backwards with your spouse. You wonder why you're upside down with your kids. You wonder why you're so angry with your parents. It's because you're ignoring the Word of God. Because you're not filling up on the Word of God. Because you're not filled with the Spirit of God. The more that you are filled with the Spirit of God and the more He pours out in your life, the more that He removes that from you. So let me ask you that today. Because maybe this is really what God wanted all of us to see this morning. Your bucket's empty. You're not filled up on His Word. Continually day in and day out. You're filled up on the Word. 
it starts coming out of you. Some of you, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're empty inside. And you're filled with all of this. And God says, I can take it away, but you've got to let me fill your bucket. You've got to let my Spirit come in so then I can pour out of you and purify you. Would you just bow your heads? this moment, I just want you just to think about where you're at spiritually, what's going on in your life. Maybe today you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe today you say, man, Brad, I finally get it. I see why I'm erupting on those that I love the most. I see why I'm unable to control myself, because I'm, I'm allowing all of this into my heart, and I'm not filled with His Word and filled with His Spirit. And today, I want that. I want to be filled with His Spirit so His Spirit flows out of me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to make you come up here. I want to know who you are. Got hands all over in the middle, on the sides. Anybody else in the back? You say, Brad, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need Him overflowing me every day. I need His Word in me every day. Brad, I'm going to read. Listen, some of you that are followers of Jesus right now, I'm going to all head hands down for just a moment. Some of you today, you need to recommit to the Word of God. Brad, today, I'm going to recommit to getting the Word of God in me each and every day. If that's you, just raise your hand. Say, I know I need the Word of God. Because I know what's spilling out of me, and I don't like it. And I need the Word of God spilling out of me. Praise God. Maybe you're here today, and I, that cup, it just represents you. You're not a follower of Jesus. You've never made that commitment to follow Him. Your bucket is empty. You have nothing to cleanse your soul. Nothing. Only God can cleanse your soul. And today you're not a follower of Jesus, but you want to be a follower of Jesus. I want you just to simply pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it to yourself. But you just say, God, I'm that cup. That's my soul. It's full of sin, jealousy and unforgiveness and bitterness and a bunch of other stuff. But God, would you purify me today? Would you make me new? Would you fill my bucket, God? Fill me up with your Spirit. Forgive my sin. Come in and make me new. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for making me new. If you prayed that prayer today, all heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer today to become a follower of Jesus, would you just let me know by raising up your hand? I just want to see if you're here. Thank you here in the front, over here to the side. Today you made a, a prayer back, in the middle, anybody else, I prayed that prayer today to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Over to the far side, I see that. Anybody else? Thank you, God, for these commitments today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a major hand clap for people who are making commitments to follow Jesus? Yeah.